Hi, I'm Andrew Burns, reporter for NPM New Project Media. Today I'll be speaking with Nautilus co-founders Laura Stern and Jim Rice, both of whom have been important players in this constantly evolving industry. As Nautilus celebrates its 15-year anniversary this quarter, it's a great opportunity for Jim and Laura to reflect on how the industry and Nautilus has evolved and look ahead at some major policy milestones on the horizon. Okay, well, Jim, Laura, thank you both uh, for joining me today, and congratulations on 15 years of Nautilus. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's an honor to have you both, and and today I want to talk about, uh, kind of walk through the formation of of Nautilus and and the evolution of the firm, and maybe hit some of the high points along the way, and then uh, obviously you guys have quite a few, I'm sure, over the course of the company's 15-year history. Um, but to start things off, I want to kind of get into each of your backgrounds leading up to the formation of, of the firm. So why don't we just start with Laura? Yeah. First of all, thank you for, for having us here. We're, we're delighted to, uh, to be on your podcast. Um, my background is, well, I feel almost like I've come full circle. I started my career in um, energy and infrastructure in, uh, in the Philippines as a consultant for Pricewaterhouse privatizing the um, power and water, wastewater sectors, working a lot with the lower income um, residents in in Manila and um, kind of now come full circle in terms of, uh, you know, aiming to to serve low and moderate income uh, customers as part of our community solar program. But from there, um, uh, migrated to to banking where I was uh, a debt provider for project finance um, for many years. Uh, in the traditional technologies of gas-fired and when uh, we were still financing coal-fired plants, coal-fired, uh, and then moving on to to wind uh, before uh, before starting Nautilus with Jim. Yeah, and then uh, Jim, you want to kind of talk about your background? Yeah, I will as well. I feel like um, Laura and I with our, our, our broader power um, backgrounds is probably one of the key items here, but um, I just hit 40 years in the power industry, so I'll kind of give that as a as a as a marker, uh, which I can't believe as far as yeah. that time. But um, my background really, um, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, so I uh, went to the, went to the, down the road to the Naval Academy as far as uh, my college, and um, served in the in the military in the submarine force uh, for five years on ballistic missile boats in the Reagan era around cold, the Cold era, uh, Cold War. So it's pretty exciting, but the cool, the key item for that, as far as Nautilus Solar goes, was it was really the beginning of my my power career as far as uh, engineering um, within the power segment and specifically nuclear. Um, got out of the Navy, uh, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but went to business school and uh, and really found uh, the finance industry as far as uh, investment banking and then private equity. Again, doing power. Uh, really, the whole um, the whole time for kind of over 15 years, um, kind of in the uh, investment banking and private equity. Um, key item there, as far as Nautilus Solar was concerned, was uh, was a kind of a decision to go into private equity and the ownership of assets mm-hmm. uh, from that perspective of the power assets. So, like Laura, the coal, natural gas, nuclear, kind of the other asset classes within power before um, um, before Laura and I founded uh, Nautilus Solar together. Well, why don't you guys, uh, we, we've got your backgrounds now, so why don't you guys just kind of walk me through um, sort of the formation Nautilus and how you guys came together and I guess sort of what your vision was for this new company. Sure, sure. I mean, if, yeah, if you want to hear the, um, the uh, 
Starbucks with a, a paper napkin story. <laughs> we actually do have that story. Um, so That's exactly right. So we did uh, uh, meet, you know, really kind of uh, uh, through through media. So thank you to all the media channels uh, in terms of uh, seeing something uh, on Spark Spread, and, and I got in touch with Jim. Um, and met in a Starbucks and uh, had a paper napkin and it, it took it from there. Um, and so Jim, you know, uh, had a lot of those. He explained the, the equity and, and the private equity background and, um, you know, contact with, with some project developers. And I had uh, some tax equity and, and debt experience to bring to the table. And from there, you know, New Jersey was really the, the one of the hottest markets in the country in a not very hot country back uh, 15 years ago. So it was really California, New Jersey, and New Jersey actually had the, the highest per capita um, concentration of solar and it's growing tremendously. Um, and so it was a great place to, to start Nautilus. Um, and we did start with, with some projects uh, portfolio here in New Jersey. And uh, it was, you know, we were one of the first companies really to have a behind the meter um, business model for, for distributed generation and of solar. So it was very exciting. Um, and working early on with a lot of the, the regulators to create the market that um, that New Jersey became in terms of uh, leading the country in, in uh, behind the meter solar. Yeah, and, and then on the vision side, uh, I, it was, I think it's one of the things as far as the, uh, the continuity and the 15 year anniversary of Nautilus. Uh, I think Laura and I very much shared um, a couple different things. One was on the independent power producer model. In other words, we're going to be involved in all the way from development, construction, owning and operating, mm -hmm. financing these projects. Um, we both came out of that world um, from, from our, our power backgrounds. And I think that was very important for, from, for us from a way to do the business. Um, and that has kind of stood the test of time. Um, but it certainly was kind of a shared, a shared vision. Um, and then the second part, I think on the more personal level for both of us is, is really trying to create a, a place where people wanted to come and work. And initially it was just us two, um, you know, the two of us and trying to create a, you know, something um, that um, was just a, a great platform as far as um, kind of pursuing the vision. And the vision goes obviously broader than just an IPP. It goes beyond that. But, um, uh, but that was the other piece of it. I think early on that kind of has stood the test of time. Yeah. Uh, can you kind of talk about how, um, how different things were like in the market at that time. Like, I don't know. I mean, obviously 15 years is, a, is an incredibly long time for this industry in particular. Um, can I talk about, uh, I guess Laura did kind of mention that like it was basically New Jersey and California were the, the, the hot markets or the, the markets perhaps uh, during that time. But you, I kind of want to talk about the, the lay of the land. And, and also I'm kind of interested uh, with, with you, Jim, about sort of how different the financing landscape was uh, at that time as opposed to the hot market that it is today. Yeah. And I think Laura and I can both talk about the financing uh, landscape and um, there was really some important things that happened at, Initially, but I mean, I'll, I'll give I'll give a couple quick numbers for folks that okay. in the industry. Um, I think our first projects, the cost of our first projects were roughly eight to nine yeah. eight to nine dollars a watt. Now it's a dollar a watt, mm -hmm. and so when you just look at the technology and the cost curve, and what the industry's been able to do, it's just it's just incredible as far as driving the cost curve, and then. 
our first systems were 100 kW plus or minus, and they were some of the largest systems in the in the country. Uh, you know, I mean, and and then when we did in 2009, we did uh, Mary, uh, we did uh, William Patterson University, and that was 2.7 megawatt, 2.9 or so total. And at the time, that was the largest for a university, right? I think it was it roughly was for, yes, you know, it was roughly, and so um, compared to now you know, where the gigawatt measurements around some of it. Those are some measurements. What else? Um, talk about fragmented. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there were there were um, little to no uh, financiers in the market. Um, we we did one of the first portfolio financings um, in the country uh, with a, a, now it seems a tiny, but it was a $25 million revolver. Um, back then for, for solar, for both tax equity and debt, it was a, a, a kind of a milestone transaction for the industry. And um, since then we've been working with, with parties, uh, financiers, um, both tax equity, debt, and, and you know equity, obviously. Um, and it's just amazing that it's been so well adopted um, over the last 15 years. And, you know, we continue to push, push the, market, I think, in terms of um, community solar, first of all, um, and more importantly, or equally important, financing LMI, low moderate income um, customers within these these structures. Sure, sure. Um, and it, it, like 25 million was like the, one of the largest, if not yeah. the only. And, um, and then I think one of the themes for us, big picture, mm. is, you know, working with partners, and um, we'll talk about it here going forward some. But sure. some of those early partners, um, you know, I don't do any shout outs to anybody because we'll, we'll miss people. Right. But uh, like Audrey Lewison on the legal side and Tom Emmons on the financing side and the folks that kind of we built uh, relationships with and partnerships with. And that kind of view kind of continues to this day more broadly with people. Um, so uh, it was an important be part of the beginning was that partnership aspect uh, for sure. those yeah, and, and one of the things that we take for granted now because there's so much liquidity in the market is that there actually wasn't that much uh, uh, liquidity and cash equity available for projects. You know that this is an incredibly capital intensive industry and you can't grow and scale without that, um, that without the cash equity. And so finding a partner, um, you know, early private equity partners um, early on was really instrumental in terms of getting us to uh, you know, to be able to scale even in those early years. Sure, sure. And and can you kind of talk about was what was the I guess sort of like the political landscape at that time? Were there any? Obviously, eventually we had the rise of the the ITCs, and and that was uh, huge in terms of, of bringing down costs and and also just like uh, sort of proliferating solar right in, in a lot of different markets. Was there anything like that going on at the time? It's funny because great, uh, you know. Solar was very much under the radar at that point. So um, there was support for it. And obviously the numbers were a lot smaller. So there was a, a good deal of support that could get, um, you know, a legislative and, environment and, and regulatory framework in place kind of um, in a very scattershot uh, way over the throughout the country. And obviously the, the blue states were a little bit more progressive and supportive. Um, but as the industry grew and as our presence grew and our solar penetration grew, um, the 
forces that, that were not supportive became a lot more organized. Mm. So you see, you know, the utilities didn't really bother much with solar when we were a few megawatts here and there. Um, but now that we're really, you know, and, and as the uh, Biden administration has set out, you know, uh, projecting to be, you know, 40 to 50% of, of installed capacity, uh, it's, it's gotten our very well-funded um, uh, partners who may, you know, not be, uh, uh, very uh, supportive of solar to really organize and and put more money into um, uh, keeping some some uh, interest in place. But that okay. landscape, um, and I, I think we need to uh, celebrate here for just a second. Like the federal landscape, federal policy landscape, the investment tax credit was the most important part of that. I think that was pretty much bilateral, you know, everybody was supporting it as a, a means to um, the growth of the industry um, and, uh, and the, the roaring success of the ITC broadly is a policy item that I don't, sometimes I don't think we celebrate enough, but we should because it's clearly been very successful um, as far as uh, the industry goes. And, and even now the continuation of that policy um, you know, 15 years plus later, I think it's just a, you know, I, I think it's one of those very successful policy items that um, um, created an environment then and can continue to do it today. And, and frankly, more broadly within renewable energy is the storage and, and those kinds of things or the, some of the development of those from the technology perspective. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's been critical, certainly, and it is really interesting to see. I mean, I've only been, um, you know, working at, with NPM for the last two years and to see how much things have evolved over that uh, course of time. And I can only imagine how, how much more pronounced that is over the course of, of 15 years. And I, I'm ready to kind of start talking about uh, kind of how things have evolved. But there's one last thing I was curious about, which in the those early years, which is um, you know, obviously now there's, it seems like just about everybody is interested in, in bringing solar on, whether it's utilities or, you know, it's municipalities or, or it's just like large companies. Um, it seems like everybody's interested. Whereas like back in, in, in 2006 and the beginning of Nautilus was like, who was your, your, your clientele? Like who was interested in bringing, in bringing in solar, uh, you know, to the, to the grid or, or I guess just to their own, uh, power capacity. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it for a second from an investment perspective and then, you know, maybe more broadly from an investment perspective, what, what was going on and, and is important today was that uh, broader power investors who uh, wanted power type long lived assets with cash flow, um, at least in our part of it, of the, of the, of the spectrum, um, those power investors were looking for new asset classes, new uh, parts of the industry. And so they were the, the forward lookings of them were the ones that were looking at going and saying, hey, what, how does solar fit into this? What's going to happen? Um, and those entities were the ones, some of the first ones in. And now it's a, it's a, a large, large, large space, space within uh, private equity where folks are looking for sustainable investments. Um, but, but I would call them some of the, um, the first movers. And Nautilus Solar, we were reasonably well positioned for that because of our past power background. Sure. Um, so from an, the investment side, I think that was some of the uh, key ones. And then as far as the market, yeah, the market I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's amazing that, you know, 15 years ago, um, it was really a, a progressive 
group of companies and municipalities that were interested in solar. And now it's, you know, just completely mainstream, uh, which is, I think, one of the major accomplishments of our industry. Um, so they, they were the progressive ones that were the ones who wanted the marketing or, um, uh, or, or politically um, inclined to, to have solar. And now, you know, it's obviously, and even back then it was always savings. Um, so the savings um, factor is, is huge also today. And for us now uh, with our focus on community solar, the, um, the accessibility is really compounding the, the affordability part of it uh, that, that makes solar really, you know, kind of a complete no brainer for, for our customers and for the market. Yeah. And can you kind of talk about, I mean, it's hard to, I obviously condense it down into, into 15 years um, of evolution, but can you kind of sort of, I guess, maybe walk me through some of the, the big moments or big um, uh, factors in, in the market that, that kind of led us to where we are today? Like, uh, obviously, like uh, Jim mentioned, the solar ITC, I imagine that that is certainly um, up there. But uh, like, was it just kind of gradual or were there, were there like, do you look back and see specific key moments where you're like, wow, this was a big, uh, this was a big moment in terms of the industry? Yeah. I mean, I think the, one of the biggest early moments was the um, 1603 grant. Yeah. Frankly, yeah. I mean, what, what that did was make solar um, developers um, gain access to a market that they never could before. So the small developers who were doing the, you know, sub one megawatts um, were really forced to sell their projects to the larger developers who could um, finance projects with tax equity. The 1603 grant, um, you know, just cleared that, that bottleneck right away. Um, so we saw a huge growth in the market during those years that the grant was in place, which is why the anticipation of direct pay um, going forward is, is very exciting. And it makes yeah, we'll talk about that. For the same development. Um, and so that also created and spawned kind of a, you know, the, the yield co phenomenon that um, was, you know, as you know, a, a very big boom and then, you know, a, a little bit of a bust uh, cycle for, for solar. But I think those, those factors were, were huge in getting more projects out there and getting them visible um, so that our customers and our policymakers could, um, you know, appreciate the value of solar. Yeah, and I think that when you think about uh, Nautilus within the broader competitive uh, landscape, I think our decision to stay a distributed entity, not to utility scale, kind yeah. of playing with some of our strengths, and we can talk about I think distributed here, you know, a little bit a little bit later. I think um, we made um, some core decisions about being in multiple markets, where um, markets rise and fall, you know, and it's, you get if you get caught in one market. Um, you can potentially get caught in, a, in you know, a downslide. And so um, that, that was important. But I would think, I think in the last five years, the most important, two important decisions, um, one was going into community solar, which we'll obviously work, talk about here. And then the second one was just around scale, the recognition that, um, you know, bringing in uh, uh, PowerCorp of Canada for us, I think were probably the two key items on the most recent, you know, competitive environment, um, which are um, are probably you know most important to our growth right now, kind of from a broad, you know, from the from the top down. 
Sure, sure. And it is interesting that you mentioned um, that you guys made the decision to to stick, you know, stay uh, pretty much firmly entrenched into in distributed generation. And I think that is that does kind of set you guys apart a little bit, right? Because I remember, uh, especially whenever I I first sort of was began covering the industry, there was a lot of focus on those utility scale, like major uh, uh, solar projects. Um, and, and lately it, it does seem like, like distributed generation. I mean, like now it's like kind of the opposite, right? Where like everybody wants to be involved in, in distributed generation. Um, so can you kind of talk about, uh, you know, how, how and why you guys came to that decision where um, you, you're going to stick uh, with distributed generation and you, and you weren't going to, you know, mess with like uh, all the utility scale stuff? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk first. I think, I think the um, distributed solar for us, number one, we were playing to our strengths from the history. In other words, everything that we did early on as far as uh, uh, power purchase contracts and um, installer contracts and all the different pieces of it, we really kind of uh, said, okay, we're playing to our strengths rather than trying to somehow convert to a utility uh, scale effort where many coming in from big power naturally kind of gravitated toward that. I think the other thing when you say play to your strengths, the part of it is kind of strategic advantage and barriers to entry. And I think even though at times it was really tough, the bottom line is we kind of saw that as a not huge company, those barriers to entry within distributed um, kind of were, were, were important to us to be able to continue to grow and survive. I think now it's evolved more into kind of mission and vision type things mm. where now bringing power to communities in the community solar and kind of the way that we're doing it, being in the community, you know, with our projects and all, now it's kind of even transitioned more into, you know, and, you know, a, a higher mission and vision of kind of what we're doing relative to, um, relative to the solar space. And I do think that's one of the items is gonna have legs on a go forward uh, basis. So right now, kind of building and working in that area. Um, anything else as far as yeah. I mean, I think the the um, the impetus for us to go into community solar, obviously we were in distributed, um, which has the advantage over utility scale and that you're really targeting off the retail rate as opposed to the wholesale rate. Right. So it's a very, um, you know, it's a much more lucrative market. Obviously with the barriers to entry, those barriers have a cost. So um, our our strength really is to navigate those those barriers and those friction points really well to minimize the cost so that we can get the most out of a, a retail-based uh, market. And for us, community solar is the best of both worlds because we're dealing with, um, you know, utility-sized or scale project effectively um, and the physical characteristics of a utility scale project with the you know, revenue uh, attributes of, um, of a distributed generation project. So it's, uh, it's amazing for us. And for, uh, you know, uh, uh, relative to Jim's point, uh, we now see, you know, the entire, frankly, all of the U.S. society focusing on a lot of the issues um, and the priorities that the Nautilus has in terms of uh, making solar accessible to all. One of the great things about community solar is that it serves customers who don't have, uh, who don't have rooftops, who are renters, who don't have, uh, you know, have shade or otherwise can't take advantage of solar. So that's a, a real quantum leap for us in terms of being able to, um, uh, you know, pursue our vision and mission of solar really for, for all. 
Sure. And I'm also curious that uh, we haven't, we, so we kind of talked about, uh, you know, sticking in distributed generation and sort of the rise of community solar, which I think you're right, is, is certainly been a critical development. What about the rise of storage? Like, uh, what, what are, like, how did, when did that first start uh, getting onto your radar and, and how has that changed over the course of, uh, you know, the time that you guys have, have been, you know, in the market? Well, solar, solar's on our radar, uh, and you know we, we wish that it were uh, better incorporated into some of the community solar programs that um, that we're in. Um, so we and have storage is on our radar. Hmm? Storage is on our radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean it, yeah. it's on our radar. We yeah. haven't we haven't pursued it um, other than in states where um, there are adders for for storage where you've got some advantage sure. to to have time of day. Um, usage or, or other types of incentives for solar. Right, but it's, right. going to be, it's going to be huge. We are looking forward to having the community solar programs incorporate um, value for, for storage as well. Yeah, you mentioned sort of obviously uh, on the policy side, those things are, are still evolving. A lot of a lot of the source stuff is kind of like you're mentioning it kind of on the state level. I know that there's a lot of, of things that are sort of in flux and sort of at least being talked about have been introduced at this point on the on the national side of things. And you mentioned earlier how how critical the, the solar ITC was. Um, is there anything that's that's sort of being discussed or that you guys are looking at in terms of policy? whether it's on the state level or, or on the national level, um, that that is really exciting to you or you think that is going to be really critical for um, sort of the, the next evolution of the market? Yeah, I think that, you know, the draft legislation at the federal level has so many priorities that are Nautilus priorities um, that we couldn't be happier. I think the, um, the first one is uh, recognizing that low and moderate income customers um, should participate in, um, you know, climate equity and, um, and affordability of, of power. So having um, uh, specific incentives for low and moderate income customers is really important. Um, obviously, the uh, provisions for direct pay are going to be really important. Um, and also the, the labor and um, domestic content um, provisions are, are important for us. We take pride in the fact that we build in communities with local with local labor. And when we support a community, it's not just with affordable uh, electricity, it's also with, with jobs and jobs are incredibly important to Nautilus. Um, and so the uh, focus on, on labor and fair you know, wages as well as domestic content um, is, uh, you know, really uh, complements our vision well. Yeah. That, that evolution in policy is uh, I think I would be kind of front and center, you know, as far as some of the, the differences now that are so promising. Um, in other words, the ITC and the policy at the very beginning had a, was a really awesome as far as the growth of the industry, but getting um, the economic development com component of it, uh, including uh, low and moderate income uh, communities of diversity. So the economic development portion, as well as thinking hard about the supply chains mm. later and otherwise. And we can all talk about kind of different things and pieces of that, but just being much more thoughtful about that, I think sure. is an important part of the policy discussion now that hopefully, you know, allows uh, renewable energy and allows solar to become more of a unifying item um, um, as, we, as we develop that in, in the communities. And it's really exciting for us 
as Laura said, when we see that in a community, um, you know, we, we can talk about real examples of it uh, where it's, it's, it's very promising. And so the policy kind of matching up with some of that, I think uh, now is, is really important. Yeah, sure. I, I, I agree. Um, you, we, you mentioned earlier, Jim, about how you think that uh, direct pay could be a, a pretty uh, significant, um, you know, if that's passed, that could be a pretty significant moment in terms of like opening up the market again. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know if it's as big as, as some of those early policies, uh, like the, like the, you know, the implementation of the original solar ITC. Um, but kind of walk, can you kind of just talk about like what, why you think uh, direct pay could be so significant and kind of how that would remove um, some significant barriers for, um, you know, developers that are maybe new to the market or are, are, you know, just don't, maybe just don't have like the, the connections that obviously somebody like Nautilus does. Yeah. 15 years. yeah, I think there's two pieces here that I would address. Kind of one would just be pure scale. And so what we're, we're in the industry right now scaling and it is very different when it was kind of get it going. Right Now it is scale and being able to work in scale and size. And so um, direct pay clearly helps as far as that ability to scale with large projects and the, and the participants in the market and the way that way that they're um, and the way that they're funded. Uh, and so I, I think um, that's number one, that's kind of a little bit different than before, but probably more important now, uh, just when you look at the raw numbers of capital. And then the second thing is, is efficiency. And we'll see on the efficiency side, right. you, know, go, you got eyes wide open as far as um, the efficiency of financing, but hopefully one of the things that will happen with direct pay, it'll take some of the, some of the costs out, the soft costs, transaction costs, whatever you want, as far as the, um, um, as far as the market goes. So those are the, those are the two items that I, I would uh, point to. Yeah. And I would say um, direct pay will really pro- offer a democratization yeah, of, of solar. You know, um, it, right. it's obviously, it's a, the financing is a very um, niche and an elitist kind of uh, crowd. Yeah. And, um, you know, all the projects that lawyers and, and bankers said were not financeable, were not financeable because they weren't providing financing to these projects. Once the direct pay comes into play, you're going to find a whole lot of projects operating perfectly well and profitably that people said were not financeable. Mm. So the, the scale is really going to, to jump um, through the roof. Yeah. Well, it's going to be exciting to see is it will, you know, it's certainly something that we've been, we've been covering and something that I've been uh, interested in um, over the last, uh, you know, the last couple of years. So uh, it certainly seems like it'll be a huge moment if that, if that really, uh, you know, is implemented into the, into the market structure. Um, So we kind of talked about, uh, uh, you know, certainly the formation Nautilus and, and just kind of the big beats along the way. Uh, But I I wanted to give you guys a chance to sort of uh, walk us through kind of, What's on the horizon for Nautilus? Things that you're that you're looking ahead to. Obviously, you guys are are very invested in the community solar markets right now. Um, but yeah, just kind of talk to me a little bit about uh, you know you know what's what's got you guys uh, excited about uh, what's going what's coming up next. Yeah, so the the federal legislation is hopefully going to be a really uh, wonderful base for sure. for solar nationally and for community solar. All of our uh, markets are really dependent on supportive um, statewide legislation and, and a regulatory framework. So uh, for us, making sure that those states are, um, you know, that the existing states continue to grow and, and we open up new states. 
Um, so I think, you know, five years ago, we never would have imagined that, you know, Maine and, and Minnesota would be, you know, two great solar states. Yeah. Um, but it really proves that any state in the country can be a great solar state um, as long as the, the will is behind it. And, um, you know, the industry has a lot of work to do in terms of um, making sure that we're stating our case for, for affordability um, and the economic benefit of solar. Um, and growing growing out those markets that are um, still untapped. And then the other trend um, that, that we find really exciting is, you know, because we've got such nationally ambitious targets for, for solar, we have to think about, and, and solar is, you know, ultimately distribute, distributed um, generation. We have to think about where the um, retirement of the existing coal plants and other fossil fuel plants are going to be and where we're going to need to serve customers. So I think some of the states that are slower to, to adopt solar um, as their, um, you know, coal and natural gas plants um, even get retired over the years, um, we're going to need to, to build a lot more solar in those areas. Sure. Jim, anything from you? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, listen, you know, when you say, what, what is the future? Hold on, I think for us, um, the amazing growth of the industry um, and our participation of it in it is uh, so exciting um, and so so core. And so the growth of our business within community solar, I think, um, you know, is, 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 is clearly a, a target there. Um, being a significant player, uh, I think, is a very, very important part of being successful in some of the um, some of the various markets. But um, I think it bears repeating and I, and I love Laura's comment regarding, um, you know, the broader that democratization of, of solar. Um, what that means for us is this incredible opportunity to grow while meeting that mission, you know, the, the vision um, of, of being a energy provider of choice within these communities. Uh, and so I think we really, really, you know, look, look forward to that. I, I would say from a personal perspective, one of my favorite things to do is when we do ribbon cuttings mm -hmm. and the local community is there and the subscribers are there and, you know, they're saving money and they're bought into kind of the broader vision of what we're doing around renewable energy. It's really, really, it's very, it's very, very exciting. Um, I think that the other piece of it around community solar becomes the uh, ongoing um customer buy-in to they're making their energy choices. And I think we will play an important part of that, you know, at a, at a very local level. And I think it's going to be exciting for us when we kind of look forward, kind of what that might mean beyond just the core assets, you know, that we're building and, and what, what we're doing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, you know, as we wind down here, the, I guess kind of the, the last main thing that I, that I want to kind of hear from you guys is just, um, as you look back on, on 15 years at, at Nautilus, like, uh, first of all, could you have, could you have imagined that you guys would, this company that you guys would, had created back in 2006 would, would, uh, still be here and be as huge and, and important in the industry as it is today. And then second of all, like, is there anything that you look back on? Um, I guess like, like what, what do you look back on with like the most fondness? Like, what are you most proud about, um, either that Nautilus has accomplished or, or, you know, if there's like a, a moment or something. Uh, that you look back on really fondly. Let me go. I'll go first here. I'll go first, and then uh, I'll be curious what your comment too. Um, <laughs> the uh, 
I would say 15 years uh, and the growth and everything with the ability to work together with Laura over the years, et cetera. Um, I know hopefully it's not, doesn't sound wrong, but uh, I'm not surprised as far as the uh, kind of the course, you know, uh, of the, of the industry and then us being able to play in others. We set really, really good groundwork exactly how the path would go. You know, no, there's no way sure. as far as exactly what would happen as far as some around that. But um, I think we really set some really great groundwork. I think the second question is more fun as far as like, what do you think about the most? And what I, I think about the most now is, um, that uh, uh, Laura and I have been able to build a company or a platform where so many of our own employees can, can now just flourish and grow and becomes a place where, you know, I think about it, the next generation is coming and just building this incredible expertise. You know, um, you know there's an old saying where, you don't know the good old days until you're until you're uh, you don't you don't know you're in the good old days until later. Right. Well, I think now is some of the good old days as far as some of them, our, some of our 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 our, uh, our employees and what we're doing and others in the industry. So being in the middle of that fray is just amazing to me. And then the second part I would say is all the people along the way with the partners, being a partner of choice and having a reputation in the industry. Um, as, as that folks are willing to partner with us and they know we're going to do our best to perform and we're going to work hard to figure problems out and then same thing, vice versa. And so there are all those partners out there along the, along the way that we've, um, we've developed and worked with, I think is the other, the other big item for me as far as, um, you know, the Nautilus's path. Yeah, no, no, well, that, that sums <laughs> it up really well. <laughs> Um, Sorry, Laura, I went big picture there. Yeah, Laura. yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I, 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 I had the similar thoughts with yeah, That's why I went first. That's why I went first. <laughs> Smart. Shrewd. Um, so I would say, first of all, I'm very proud that Nautilus has, has taken um, a, a leading role in, in helping a lot of the um, uh, you know, policy and regulatory advances that, that have come into play, and as well as just creating a lot of momentum for, for solar. Um, on the personal level, you know, again, when I think back about the, the company, um, I am most proud of all of the, not only our employees, but all of the families yeah. um, that that we have, um, you know, that, that have been in our, um, in our uh, microcosm of, of the solar world. And again, bringing in new people into the industry, um, creating uh, an environment where people are passionate about solar and can, you know, have, have a lot of agency in terms of executing on, on their own personal missions is really been the most rewarding for me. And to see them go out into um, other, you know, other areas of, of the solar world has been um, just very incredibly rewarding. Right on. Well, uh, you guys, I, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, taking the time today and and enjoying us uh, to sort of talk about the history of Nautilus. It's certainly a, a hell of an accomplishment to 
uh, you know, have founded this this company back in a very different landscape in 2006 and still be, you know, really just like, uh, you know, among the top movers and shakers in, in the industry, particularly in the DG space and the community solar space, both of which are very important. So, uh, yeah, thanks again and congratulations on, on all you guys accomplished. Yeah. Right. Thank, Thank you, you. We, we really appreciate taking the time. Yeah, it's been on it. Thanks, guys.